Hey everybody, welcome to the next edition of Future Fuzz. I am delighted to welcome onto the podcast today Maur from Incremental. Good morning, Maur. How are you? Good morning, Justin. Sorry for my rusty, rusty morning voice. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> That's okay, man. It sounds good. You know, it sounds like a bit like a, a radio voice, but you've got your coffee, right? So you should be good to go. Yeah, coffee number three is right beside me and it's going to be coffee number four immediately after this call. Okay. Brilliant. Nice one. Mao, you've got your own podcast. You invited me along to it. It's great to be on. Great to have you on uh, on Future Fuzz today. Um, I already know a bit about you. We've spoken a few times. Let's let's crack on with your new company. It's a bit of a new company, right? You've been doing it for a while, but it's fairly new. Let's crack on and talk about incremental. Yeah. So let, cool. let's talk about it. Tell us about it. Cool. So, uh, yeah, so a little bit uh, just background because I think it's very related. So I've been in the marketing technology space for a bit more than 20 years now. Um, I started when I was very, very young, like five. So I'm not that old. No, kidding. Anyway, I didn't want to age myself. So I've been in this space for a while. Um, and I must say, like when I made the switch between desktop to mobile, I fairly got shocked about tracking attribution. Now, you know, obviously it kind of like worked, but I always felt, okay, it wasn't enough. It wasn't good. It, it had a lot of uh, potential uh, holes in the fence, which uh, of course the uh, fraudsters discovered at some point. And uh, when, when I basically made my move to, to join Uplift as a CPI network there, I really became opinionated about tracking and attribution and really wanted to solve this uh, problem. Um, after selling Uplift um, late 2019, in 2020, basically, I uh, decided, okay, I want to solve the measurement problem. I wanted to approach it from a different direction. I really just wanted to build multi-touch attribution. Um, luckily, I have a co-founder who is smarter than me. He's uh, Motital. Um, he basically was the one telling me, no, 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 let's not, let's not do better multi-touch let's go and tackle incrementality because then first of all we don't want to you know um try to fight or uh, compete against the attribution companies it's kind of like a there is no shot there um we want to build a different platform that essentially allows customers to measure incremental value like what is the actual incremental value you're getting from your activity now we started the company, we used to tell people, you know, uh, maybe in the future, Apple will also deprecate the IDFA. That will make our platform a bit more relevant. And then it happened like on the, on the first months of the life of the company. Apple yeah. killed the IDFA. It essentially uh, boosted up, I would say, our momentum, our inbound uh, pipeline. Um, I would say that use case number one for mobile companies working with us is measuring on iOS. Uh, but fairly quickly, we started also getting approached by customers who were completely non-mobile, like web or cross-platform, ones that were doing TV and so on. And we understood that like our prediction model doesn't really care that much about screen. Um, yeah. All it basically does is shows you what is the value you're getting from this activity. So now we are basically catering to cross-platform marketers. There's the use cases of Again, the mobile first companies who are often coming to us to measure iOS. And then there's bigger brands who are using the platform to measure anything from out of home, TV, um, linear or connected, um, mobile, web, whatever. So that's basically what the platform does. Right. So let's pick up on that point. So I, let's say we're talking in layman's terms here. 
your platform enables people to really measure if the marketing activity they're doing is actually having an impact in short yeah yeah so yeah i mean here's a classic example my old agency agcs always tried to get in leads from using google adwords campaigns however it was sometimes very very difficult to know where the lead came from you know if they if they followed a certain route you knew that they came from that Google AdWords campaign. Sometimes it was very difficult and we were like, we've got like 30% or 40% of our leads coming in that are unaccounted for. And we can ask them like, where did you find us? And they say, yeah, I found you online. You're, you guys are effectively right. <laughs> That's You're, very helpful. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's really helping us. Because um, yeah. you know, we did, a pr we did a newspaper print ad last week, not. Um, anyway, so you're effectively supporting advertisers there, right? Um, yes and no. So again, we don't, we don't, we don't go into the user level or the user journey to try to refute what the attribution tells you. Let's say if, um, take SK Ad Network right now, uh, where there's a lot of issues or challenges with tracking. Let's say you launched a campaign on Facebook and thanks to SK Ad Network postbacks, you're getting for a thousand dollars spend 10 conversions as being attributed. We're not going to tell you, hey, the MMP is wrong because te technically the MMP is right. Yeah. Okay. Even when it comes to SKN network, it's, it's right. Um, we're going to show you, hey, this is the actual value you got. Okay. This is where we saw that you attributed to. So I would say in the iOS world, often it lands in organics. So let's say if you spend a thousand, you got a thousand conversions, the incremental value will show you a thousand conversions. Likely, if it's SKN network, much of this will be accounted into organics. So, um, again, we're not going to tell you, oh, these users actually came because they also saw an ad on Google or on Facebook. When you measure the effect of your budget increase on Facebook, we're going to show you what is the value of conversions you got from this specific change. Right. Can you take it back and say, okay, it came because of Facebook? I wouldn't necessarily jump into that. I would say, by the way, in any case, like most customers or most advertisers should have this additional panel uh, style question. It doesn't hurt to have the statistics, even though, of course, users don't necessarily know why yeah. they came. Okay. Okay. And, and how many, you know, channels of advertisers tending to run on email? Do you have any insight on that? Are they running on three, four, um, five, ten? The smaller ones. Yeah, so the smaller ones, I would say below 10, and that's what I usually call the usual suspects. So it's like, you know, Facebook, Google, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, Apple search ads, so on. Bigger ones there, of course, we see way more cross-platform. And then again, TV is not necessarily a channel, it's a medium. Yeah. So there you see a lot more. Um, influencers is, I would say, predominant for both mid-sized customers working with us and, of course, the large ones. Right. It's like unavoidable. And you know, you're seeing what's going on. Uh, you have data in your hands. Obviously, I'm not gonna ask you for hard numbers, but where do you see that platforms are getting um, used more and where are some being dropped? Like TikTok, for example. Are you well, seeing I would a lot say, of growth there? Uh, yeah, I'm seeing in general, like more customers testing out TikTok, Snapchat as well. Um, I would say that like one of the side effects we saw last year from like ATT, Apple's uh, change was more customers who were extremely non-diversified, we're talking 80, 90% of spend going to Facebook, are now diversifying. And they're diversifying not just with other networks, but they're 
really also diversifying into influencers, into out of home, into connected TV, into flyers. Um, yeah, I've seen things that I would say as someone who's opinionated about the digital marketing, I'm very happy to see. I think it's way more healthy, like operating your budget where 90% goes into one platform. That's risky. risky. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with, with my company Shopala, I work with a lot of online shops and I've seen some scary stuff, uh, less and less now. Um, but you know, with the changes in Apple tracking that did take place, I've seen online, uh, shops, you know, whole companies effectively go under because of those changes. Um, their whole business model was based on Instagram and Facebook advertising and then pretty much overnight they really, really struggle with that due to the changes uh, and now they're paying the price. And, uh, you know, I was seeing a company that was selling things online that they were going to be doing a million in revenue. And then, you know, that was just basically a huge chunk of that was cut off. So it's great to hear companies are diversifying. I, I think, you know, yesterday I was talking with Thomas, uh, Thomas Petit, and um, we were talking about this point. And in a way he said that like the, the fact that platforms like Facebook and Instagram were like so good in terms of targeting prior to ATT allowed companies to scale. Now I would say the companies who basically saw what was happening and were preparing and essentially diversifying their ad platform portfolio or vendor portfolio are the ones who are now not struggling that much. Companies who said, no, it's not going to hit us. It's not going to be that bad are now essentially struggling and in a way it's struggling against the clock because you cannot just proceed for that long unless you figure out how do I repeat this success I had with Facebook, where if your benchmark is the performance you got from Facebook, let's say April 2021, that's a very, very hard benchmark to go against. Nothing will generate performance as good yeah, as it used to be. Very interesting. So who's your target customer, Mauer? Who, who would you like to speak to at the moment? Uh, we're 100% inbound right now, so there is no target. Um, I would say what we see generally, we see uh, e-commerce, gaming, fintech, entertainment, lifestyle, subscription apps, um, web, mobile, mobile and web, uh, cross-platform. There's customers with ad spends of 100K a month. And we have some customers with ad spend of, let's say, more than 20 million a month. Um, yeah, so... Currently, we created packages for, I would say, different type of customers. So the platform is good value and good features for whatever segment or needs the customers have. Um, yeah, I would say when we'll get to the point where we have outbound sales, then I'll probably have a bit more defined target. Great. Uh, quite, a few, quite a few things covered there, but effectively, it does sound like that the platform can help a lot of different type of advertisers with... Uh, with their tracking, basically. Hey, we hope you are enjoying this podcast. If there is subjects you would like discussed or questions answered, drop us a line at info at shapala.io. Future Fuzz, your guide to digital marketing. Okay, yeah. um, we're in the mobile dev uh, group together, that Slack group. Um, you said that maybe, let, let's change the subject a little bit. You said maybe that we should start a channel which is like hashtag recession. Um, oh, pre-session. Pre <laughs> I thought you said recession. Okay, yeah. um, you mentioned earlier about Snapchat. Um, you know, more advertisers are using Snapchat and TikTok. However, if you were to look at the 
performance of Snapchat on the stock market recently, you'd be you maybe second questioning that. Um, what do you think is going on in the market at the moment? Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting because you know the thing about uh, recessions or let's say if we're in a pre-session, it's a uh, a lot of it is fear-driven. It's uh, you know investors fearing that the recession is coming, not investing. It creates a recession. It's a uh, I, I like you know I'm not a financial analyst to try to capture why, but the reality is that a lot of companies right now are trying to either increase efficiencies, reduce costs, uh, focus on profitability, extend their runway. Um, I think that we're seeing, a, like if you look at Crunchbase, for example, a number of uh, fundraising, um, you're gonna see that it's declining. There's also an interesting website, it's called layoffs.fyi. It's not the most uh, optimistic <laughs> website in the world, but it was originally tracking it was originally tracking layoffs right. during COVID times. Okay. And then you had a spike and you had a decline and you oh, have a spike now again. Yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah. So that's a little bit, uh, also the, the, alarming, the job market you know. is less, it's slowing down now. I mean, I've never seen anything like it, like post COVID, like how many job openings that there have been open, you know, in the service sector, but also in, you know, online marketing or any position of just unbelievable amount of job, jobs opening. And they're also, I was reading in The Economist, I think yesterday, that is slowing down, right? So the signs are pointing. So you say that we're in a pre-session, you say that we're not quite there in, in a recession, yeah. Yeah, because again, I think right now it's mostly like a, a cycle of rumors, which again, can lead the markets into, but can also be same as the picture behind you um, bunch of smoke. <laughs> it, could, it could indeed be, yeah. So let's say we go into a recession-based period. What um, advice, because you've got a lot of experience, you know, you've run many companies before, you've you set up incremental. What, it, um, what advice would you give to advertisers, um, especially with their digital marketing during these sorts of times? So optimizing towards efficiency is substantially harder than optimizing to growth. When you optimize to growth and when you are growing, you know what, most companies don't really care that much uh, how much cannibalization they have. That's a cost of business. Means uh, cannibalization is essentially redundant ad spend. You cut it down, there is no impact on sales. I would say for companies in hyper growth, it's all fine. Okay, they don't really care that much. They're not that much optimizing towards profitability, towards cash flow. When you suddenly need to optimize towards efficiencies, understanding where should we allocate our budgets becomes substantially harder, a harder um, question to ask, especially since the growth has been what's driving your company's success. So you cannot, in theory, um, do what some companies have done in the past. You cannot do an experiment. You cannot cut all marketing see what's your sales without marketing, and then reactivate channel by channel. You cannot afford the opportunity costs because you know you, ask, you actually need the growth to sustain your company. So that's where it becomes really, really, really difficult. It's, it is about understanding where do we have higher amounts of cannibalization or redundant ad spend to cut it down? Where are we overspending when it comes to price? Where are we overspending when it comes to budgets? 
how do I essentially divide the pie in a way where it's efficient? Um, so we are seeing that essentially measuring for cannibalization, which I would say is kind of like one of the use cases of our platform, one of the tutorials, is becoming one of the most popular tutorials in the last couple of weeks. We are not even talking months. I would say like, uh, you know, my tip to uh, other CEOs, because I've been there, I've been there where you need to do a layoffs and it's really, really, really not a fun exercise uh, for anyone to do, um, is to first of all, acknowledge reality and not delude yourself that it's going to get better. If you are seeing uh, stress right now on your PNL, it's time to actually take the time to act, take action yeah. is now. Yeah. Cannot afford um, waiting. Take action now. I think that's very, very good advice. Um, what some advertisers tend to just slash budgets and like kind of cut the tree down right to the roots. Um, I have a I have mixed feelings about that sort of strategy because when companies you know continue to promote themselves, continue to advertise, continue to focus on growth even during tough times they tend to then do better when times are good again, right? Um, and I think there's lessons to be learned in, in COVID, during COVID where a lot, a lot of companies made redundancies. Then when the economy opened up again, they really struggled to fill positions. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel as though th there's a balance or do you really feel as though companies need to um, take very uh, harsh, um, let's say, measurements? No, I think I think companies definitely need to be smart about how they increase efficiency, and it's it's not just about okay, let's take a machete and cut through the PNL. That is a, I would say either a too aggressive, um, too emotional move. Um, uh, um, a smart way would be to really understand what, okay, going into incrementality what is creating incremental growth what is not do i need these functions spends activities that are not creating right now uh, incremental revenue for our future i would say again sometimes a ceo's challenge is is compromising is uh, what should i give up on you kind of want to have everything you don't want to change uh, that's again it's quite an emotional ride um and yeah, but you need to make some hard decisions sometimes and hard decisions should not happen yeah. with a machete. That's 100% dealing agree. with a surgeon. I've been in knife. some situations. I remember the financial crisis of 2007, let's say 2007, 2008, um, where I was working in an organization and they just, we came in one morning, half the company went into like a large meeting room and then we went to our desks and they literally just were like, see you later, guys. You know, it, it, it was crazy times. And it had a really strong impact on me because I was like, wow, do I even want to work for a company like this? Um, and then during the crisis period when there weren't many jobs around, I said to my boss, I'm not really very happy with the way that you dealt with that situation. And they basically pushed me out. Um, well, they didn't push me out, but they said, well, if you're not happy, then maybe you should leave. And I left during a crisis, but there was an amazing opportunity because then I went to work for eBuddy, which was, you know, in, in a, a, a mobile messaging startup, you know, pre WhatsApp. And I had that amazing opportunity to get into mobile marketing, but it uh, made a huge impact on me. Mauer, um, a sort of a final question for you. Um, 
I asked this to another entrepreneur, um, I think it was uh, in, the, in the previous podcast. If you met um, little Mauer when he was five or let's say seven years old, and you wanted to give him a piece of advice that he could take with him throughout his life, you know, related to business, what would, uh, what would that advice be? Oof. Um, it's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> honestly, I don't think I would change anything. I, I don't think I would change anything in my career. Like there was many times in the past where I regretted not founding a company earlier. Now, having done this in my 40s, I must say that I'm very grateful that I took the time. The, the impact of your network and experience is really important. Like I sometimes meet, you know, entrepreneurs that are really, really young, like uh, in their twenties, essentially, this is like, they never had a job. They just jump into, and the amount of basic things that they are simply unaware of the amount of, and, and again, I think it's fine. I think they will learn if you have the right support, if you have, let's say the right investors, the right board, you will be able to actually uh, pick it up, but you need a mentality that allows you to actually take decisions when, you know, if you go into a room and you have 10 different opinions, it's very hard for you as an entrepreneur to actually know what's right. And I would say that there's an element of trusting your gut that only comes by simply having experience. You cannot buy experience. You need to gain experience. I wouldn't really give my uh, little or any advices, I would say, on career. Just, you know, do what you've been doing. Work your ass off. Like that, uh, work your ass it's gonna off. It's going to be fine. You said, Mauro, that you, you know, you're starting out incrementally in your 40s, but I don't know if you know, but statistically, I think the most successful entrepreneurs start their companies when they're 43, right? I think it's 42, yeah. 43. Have you read that one? Yeah, my well, co-founder, by the way, the is average. older. He's 45. So <laughs> if you look you're at good. the average, then we're good. But no, seriously, we're good. Like, statistically, <laughs> then you are yeah. good, right? Um, I th again, I think it makes sense because of the experience you gain throughout your career, throughout uh, and the network, the, the impact of your network to be able to actually just reach out to people you worked with, buddies in the industry and ask them a question, ask them for advice, say, can you share this? Can you reshare this? What do you think? Do you know anyone for this position? Yes, is your peers around you valuable. will also have more experience and they can help you out as well. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Um, I mean, I don't know how old the rocket internet guys were, but I know from reading um, an article that they had four failed um, companies before Zalando really took off. Um, and he, and in, in his piece, he said, you know, there seems to be this allergy to failure. Like we tried four times, it failed, but we kept on going. And maybe that's what it's about as well, that when you're younger, it's great to start a company when, the, when you're young. But be prepared it might fail but then hey you can always try again later right and then do that four times and then when you're in your 40s it might work i, I don't think anyone really is prepared for the failure and the failure what once you are experiencing this is very very difficult picking yourself up again um is much harder than people i would say think um I was very, very fortunate to have some advisors early, early on when we started Incremental, where I would say when we experienced certain things we haven't experienced before and it did not feel very good, 
Uh, I had Adam Jaffe, for example, at some point telling me, do you believe in what you're doing? And I said, yes. So he said, anyone who doesn't, yeah. it's their problem. Anyone that you allow to join their ride is because you allow them to. And that was, again, related to fundraising uh, processes back then. But, uh, you know, in my time in Uplift as CRO and then CEO, there was some hard times. And uh, it was not fun times. It was not, wow, I'm learning. It was plain, difficult, hard times, which, of course, now, in retrospect, that, I'm grateful I have. Thank you very much, Mal, for joining today. It was a pleasure to speak to you. Um, if you want to learn more about Incremental, the website address is I-N-C-R-M-N-T-A-L. So you just skip the E's in Incremental. That's incremental.com. Or you can just um, connect to Mao on LinkedIn. <laughs> Mao Sadra, right? Yeah, yeah. The I'm only one in the world. The Very unique. Cool. So easy to find. <laughs> Always enjoy speaking to you, man. There you are. Justin, thank you so yeah, thank you so much. Um, sorry for my rusty voice. If you can, uh, I don't know, in post-production, just change my voice to like Maybe much, much nicer. Go for it. Oh, and for the people watching on uh, on YouTube, by the way, the video. So this is my morning view. Uh, like a few <laughs> hours from now, I'm, I'm practically Brad Pitt. Just cool. so Thanks, you know. Matt, for being on the show. I really appreciate yeah. it. For tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe. Future Buzz is sponsored by Shopala. Shoppable ads and express checkouts for e-commerce. Future Fuzz, your guide to digital marketing. <laughs>